0: Happy Hump Day, everyone. This is the Locked on Buckeyes podcast for Wednesday, November the 27th. By process of elimination, that makes me your show host and navigator, Kyle Lamb. Thanks for joining me again. Ohio State, I've been saying it, they are number one. We'll talk about that, what it means to the college football playoff. Implications going forward, can they stay number one? That's the real critical aspect here. They are number one. They overtook LSU with that win against Penn State. But will they stay there? We'll break that down. Even Josh of College Football Nerds will join me. And we will look at the college football playoff scenarios. Not only the battle for number one, but also that big battle for number four and how that may shape out. And whether LSU and Ohio State are in fact in with a loss. We'll talk about that coming up. I will also look at motivation does Michigan have it more than Ohio State? And if so, does that mean anything? I'll talk about what I where I think Ohio State's psyche is for this game and if they have the laser sharp focus for beating the Wolverines that we've seen all season long. Lock on Buckeyes is brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye, licensed in thirty three states and more on the way. Check them out at JFQ Lending. Locked on Buckeyes is your only daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. You can find us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or by saying, play the Locked on Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. In the words of the great philosopher Ludacris, teams be swearing they on top but I'm coming for that number one spot. That's right, Ohio State, after debuting number one in the College Football Playoff Committee rankings a few weeks back and then subsequently being moved behind LSU, looking up at the Tigers at the top in the number two spot for the last two weeks, on the heels of a win against Penn State, Ohio State is your number one team in the country as per the College Football Playoff Committee. If you've been listening to Locked on Buckeyes this week or any of the past few weeks, then you are not surprised by this because I've been very adamant I thought this would happen. Now, admittedly, when you're trying to guess what a group of 13 people are going to do behind closed doors, when there's no transparency into the process, into the discussion or deliberations, you just never really know for sure but I had a high degree of confidence this would happen for all the reasons that I've mentioned when Ohio state was number one in the first rankings, they were within one quality win of LSU. And I said at the time, I thought that LSU would then pass Ohio state if they beat Alabama, which is exactly what happened. But here we are now, Texas is no longer a quality win. Ohio state has three top 20 wins. LSU also has three top 20 wins So the committee has gone back to Ohio State being the most complete, most dominant team, the best team in college football. Now, nobody would say that Ohio State's three wins, best three wins right now, being Penn State, Wisconsin, and Cincinnati, are necessarily as good as Alabama, Florida, and Auburn. I don't think there's a big difference there, but it's not quite the same. But it's close enough that if the goal and objective of the committee is to determine the four best teams in order, then you have to go by the eye test right now, which is overwhelmingly in Ohio State's favor. And that's what the committee did. I'll talk more about the committee and the process when I've got Josh coming on from College Football Nerds in the second and third segments. We'll talk more playoff scenarios, but I do want to offer a few final thoughts on this. Because I really believe, as I've been saying within my predictions of Ohio State reclaiming number one, if Ohio State adds those wins the next two weeks, if they're able to beat Michigan this weekend and then beat Wisconsin or Minnesota next weekend, I think that that will be enough to stay ahead, even if LSU beats Georgia. But I will add a a caveat there. If LSU comes out and cleans the clocks of Texas A&M and Georgia the next two weeks and Ohio State squeaks by, sure. I think that then you could say, if you're the committee, well, okay, LSU now looks like a more complete team than they were several weeks ago. If the defense looks good, they win by several points, several touchdowns over both of those teams, then I think you're, you're you're changing the equation just a little bit. But all things being equal, if both teams continue to play the way they're playing and both teams win out these next two weeks. I think the Buckeyes will be the number one seed when the final playoff rankings come out in two Sundays from today, from this week. So, or actually it'll be a week from this Sunday. So uh, there's not much time here. We're only about a week and a half left until we determine the final four for this year's college football playoff. Turning... Uh, uh, the subject a little bit. So I've had some people asking me what I thought of Ohio State's motivation level for this weekend. This is an interesting conversation to have. I I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about. I know that there is some uh, concern, some hand-wringing about Ohio State's uh, psyche because Ohio State has clinched the Big Ten East and because Ohio State, let's be honest, probably is in the college football playoff with one more win. I just don't see a, a scenario where Ohio state wins either against Michigan or Minnesota slash Wisconsin and doesn't get in because if they beat Minnesota or if they beat Michigan, but losing the big 10 championship, they will have added another top 15 win. Even without that conference flag, the conference championship, they're still getting in. If they lose to Michigan, but then they turn around and beat Minnesota or Wisconsin, it's, Uh, arguably just as good of a win, but more importantly, they'd also have the conference title. So in any scenario, I think Ohio State is getting in. And look, I'm not going to tell you that the Buckeye players don't know this. I'm pretty sure that they do. In the back of their minds, I think we can all agree they're not stupid. These are kids, 18 to 22-year-olds, that are glued to social media, some of them. They get on the message boards. They get on websites. They read the news, some of them. (laughs) They know what the score is. They, they know the situation. They know that they're going to Indianapolis for sure. And they also know that they're resting comfortably now near or at the top of the college football playoff rankings. So from that standpoint, could you argue that Ohio State could have a psychological letdown against Michigan because they're not going to be playing desperate? Michigan really needs this game. Michigan has nothing to play for except pride. But that is a really important thing for them right now. They just have not beat Ohio State in what seems like forever. It's been seven years, but they've only won four times in the last 20. So Michigan needs to start winning. They need to change the culture there. This is a big game for them. And quite honestly, I, I, where I give them credit that they have turned things around and they're playing good, I think they're getting too big for their britches. With the Don Brown comments a few weeks back, Shea Patterson's comments last week before the Indiana game, We see this almost every year with Michigan. They start talking down the stretch if they're playing well, and they just don't realize that Ohio State is on another level. You can talk the talk all you want, but at some point you have to walk the walk. Maybe this is the year Michigan does it. But the thing about Ohio State, and why I'm not buying the psychological argument, is has this team done anything this year that would tell you that they don't have razor-sharp focus. Do you think this team wants to settle for being a one-loss conference champion that gets to the playoff? Everything I've seen about this team, they've, they've had opportunities where they could have come into a game not real focused. They could have played it close against Michigan State or Wisconsin or Maryland or Indiana or any number of teams, but for the most part, they have taken care of business like a championship caliber team should do. I don't believe they are going to let themselves settle for, oh, well, if we lose to Michigan, no big deal. We're going to Indianapolis. We can win the Big Ten and still get to the college football playoff. I think this team doesn't want to just be good. They don't just want to be a champion. They want to be elite. They want to be great. They want to be historically known for doing something that other teams haven't done and to this point, they have done that. So I think from everything I have seen from this team so far, this Ohio State team doesn't just want to settle. They want to go to Ann Arbor and make a statement against their rival and continue a historically dominant season. So if you ask me, there have been times where other teams in the past could have a, an emotional letdown and not play as hungry or desperate as the team that they're playing, in this case, Michigan. There are other teams in college football that we've seen that from. It's, it's a natural, emotional reaction that you can expect with some teams. I'm not saying it doesn't or can't happen, but with this team, I see razor-sharp focus, and I see a team absolutely hungry for domination. So I'm not saying Michigan, that, that is not alone going to beat Michigan this weekend. The Wolverines are playing better. I think their improvement has still been a little overrated, especially with the run game. And I've talked about that all week. But I think they're playing better. And I think that they're capable of giving Ohio State absolutely a a game that goes right down to the wire. But if Ohio State loses this game, it's not going to be a lack of motivation, in my opinion. I think the Buckeyes are ready. I think that they want to destroy Michigan. I really believe that. Everything I've seen from this team tells me They are on a mission. And if I'm being honest, I don't think that that mission ends this weekend. I'm not ignorant. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm privy to what has happened in the past. I'm privy to this Michigan team. I've watched them almost every game this year. Not quite every game, but really close. They're a good team. They're capable of beating Ohio State. But I think there's something else going on with Ohio State right now. And I think they're going to show it. Coming up in the next segment, Josh of College Football Nerds joins me. We'll get into more college football playoff discussion. Should Ohio State or LSU be number one at the end of the year? And what teams have a shot at that number four spot? All right, we're here now with Josh of College Football Nerds, and we're going to talk a little bit of playoff scenarios and best versus most deserving and and get into all the the fun debates of the college football playoff because we are in late November. Josh, I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, I hope you brought your opinions with you.
1: Uh, you know that I always do, Kyle. <laughs> we're not too short on uh, short on opinions, nor are we timid to share them.
0: No, no, definitely not. We, we're not short on those. So, well, let me first by by start by ballparking it for you. Uh, what are your thoughts about Ohio State jumping LSU? Ohio State started out number one. LSU has been number 2 or number 1 the last 2 weeks and then Ohio State leapfrogging them today. What what are your opinions on that?
1: Uh so I'm I'm not wholly surprised given the Penn State game. Um you know, you and I I think have had a friendly bet yeah. on whether or not Ohio State is going to be number 1 after the conference championship games. Personally, I think the Texas A&M LSU game will be substantial enough to give them a little bit of a bump and I think playing a top 5 Georgia is going to give LSU another bump. Normally, number one, number two hasn't mattered. In fact, last year it was really an advantage to Clemson. And I don't care what people say, whether or not it was decidedly an advantage or not. It was an advantage that Clemson got to play Notre Dame, that was number three. This year, I don't think anybody wants to play Clemson in the first round because whoever you're going to get in the fourth, uh, that number four slot, be it Georgia, Alabama, Utah, or what have you, at least on paper, is not as good as Clemson. Certainly a lo- not as complete a team as Clemson is. Um, I personally still think that LSU is going to end up overtaking Ohio State at the end of the day. That's not necessarily my opinion on what should happen, but I think that is what's going to happen because I think, you know, top five wins are very important. They're very rare, um, and Ohio State, you know, maybe at number one, but if LSU beats Georgia, they're going to have a win probably over number four on the resume.
0: I also do think that I uh, test will come into play these last two weeks because I, I I've been saying I thought Ohio State would would overtake them if they beat Penn State. That happened. and now the question is, will they stay there? Ohio State does go to Michigan this week. the The team that uh, the committee had what number number twelve, number thirteen, this I think it's number thirteen because they're behind Wisconsin. And it is on the road, whereas texas a and m is a solid win, but it would not be a top twenty five win. So the question is, can Ohio State with a win and LSU with a win increase their distance over LSU to stay ahead of LSU if LSU knocks off Georgia next week and Ohio State were to beat uh, a top five or top, I guess it'd be a top seven or eight Minnesota team or possibly a top 10 Wisconsin team. So I, I do think that Ohio State can increase its lead this week. So the question is can it do it convincingly enough? Whereas if, if LSU goes out and boat races, Texas A&M and Georgia, then I think you've got a really good argument there or or a, a tough argument for sure.
1: I don't think there's any doubt of it. And we saw this way back when in 2014, right? When Ohio state beat Wisconsin and they ended up in the playoff, there was a lot of discussion about, well, Ohio state's a conference champion and TCU and Baylor weren't conference champions for our two cents on that issue. We said it at the time and I'll say it again today. I think the issue was less about the conference champion moniker for Ohio State and far more about the fact that they got to play a top 10 team and then they beat them very decisively. The committee loves them some top five, top 10 wins, especially when they're in decisive fashion. And, you know, LSU beat Alabama close. And I think that was given a lot of credit to LSU, but they keep having these close wins. We haven't seen LSU just sort of step out and dominate someone, you know, step on their neck and put them away that's why we've had Ohio state number one in our channel pretty much all years because they've done that, but they haven't had the opportunity, I think to do it at a team of, of the caliber that, you know, maybe LSU will have with Georgia. So if Ohio state steps forward and, you know, they stomp Michigan 40 to nothing, and then they turn around and they stop uh, be it Minnesota, or Wisconsin 40 to nothing. I think that absolutely will be number one. Um, vice versa. If LSU comes out and they have a statement, and and I think people are underestimating the chance that LSU beats Texas A&M the way Alabama did, where it's like forty-two to ten or forty-two to fifteen kind of game, uh, and then they beat Georgia, let's say thirty to ten or, or more than that. Given the state of Georgia's defense and how good they are, that could catapult LSU too. So I definitely think the eye test is extremely important. You know, I mentioned LSU A&M. I'm just saying it's a little bit of a bump compared to what Ohio State has in front of them. With probably two teams are going to be around. You know, uh, right now Michigan's thirteenth. Um, your Minnesota, Wisconsin guy is going to be eight, eight to 10 range, probably, um, style points matter a lot. Uh, and it's going to be, I think the defining deciding factor, not only in who's one and two, but also probably who ends up in that four slot.
0: You know, Josh, I don't know if you saw me tweet this out or, or heard me mention it. I've mentioned it on the podcast this week, but another little interesting anecdote, uh, from what I could tell, this is my crack research and, and it may not be thorough, but I did my best to go through every single Team that could have possibly done this ever, but uh, from what I can tell, if if the Minnesota Wisconsin winner is in the top ten next week, if Ohio State were to win these next two games, it'd be the first time a team has ever had three straight AP top ten wins in consecutive weeks.
1: That's an interesting point, and and I'm trying to think through to if I've seen that happen before. I think we've seen things close. Yeah, no one. It's been been close before. You know, people probably played top tens maybe three weeks in a row, but I don't think they've ever won them. And the problem for the SEC, and I don't want to go down this road in this conversation, but they usually have that FCS non-conference game yeah. tacked in at the end of the year. So I think, was it just last year that Alabama played like ten top ten or top 15 teams? It was like four or five in a row, but they were broken up by an FCS game. But, it, it, you know, it was like uh, LSU, Mississippi State, uh, Auburn, um, Georgia, all those teams, I think, were top 15. Um, and they, they obviously played them in series, but with an FCS in the middle. I guess if, yeah, yes, it was like two and two. It, it might be a unique thing for a Ohio State. Two,
0: 2016, Bama had a stretch of four straight ranked wins, uh, and then they had a, another stretch in that same year, which is incredible, of three straight ranked wins. But neither of those were all top 10.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a hard thing to be able to attain now again uh michigan is 13 so uh michigan won't be a top 10 win in that list right According well to the playoff, well
0: and right? ap i'm going by ap just for oh. yeah for oh, con- i see for how consistency. We are i see how we are <laughs> well i'm i went for i went with ap only because of consistency of, of being able to compare uh, past years you know since the college football playoff has only existed for the last
1: five yeah that's true and also you can't rely on the playoff rankings because what if you played three top ten teams to start the year the playoff doesn't exist. So that does make sense.
0: Yeah. So uh I think a lot of frustration on both sides. Whether you're on the Ohio State should be number one or LSU should be number one or somewhere in between if you're neutral and and don't really care. I, I think a lot of frustration here is just with the process because the committee has shown they're flaunting the fact that they can move these teams back and forth, which may or may not be right, but they're also using different rationale each week to do it. They're saying Ohio State is the most complete team. That's why they're number one and was number one in the first rankings. But LSU has the better wins. That's why they were number one in the last two weeks. It's like those things haven't changed. Ohio State is still the most complete team. LSU still has the better wins overall, but yet they keep moving the teams back and forth. And I think that's the, probably the frustrating part with the process is that you don't know what's most important from week to week.
1: It's an issue, and I think there's a twofold problem at play here. Personally, I think the first problem is you have one spokesman speaking on behalf of the playoff committee, and he's trying to communicate probably a lot of different viewpoints and opinions on what matters or doesn't matter. Um, you know, they arrive at these rankings through a collaborative process, right? Not everybody's going to have the same viewpoint in that room. And I think sometimes the communication from the chairman we sort of take as gospel of what the thought process is for the individual members, and I don't think it is. And that's not to say that they're inconsistent internally. I think he's just espousing what he thinks to be the strongest viewpoint. And, and to that point, I think the strongest argument for Ohio State being number one is that they're most complete team. And the strongest argument for LSU being number one is that they have the best list of wins. But the what he doesn't really get into, and I think he doesn't like to be as negative a lot of times when he's speaking publicly, is Ohio State's gap in terms of maybe LSU having better wins in Ohio State got closed significantly with that Penn State win last week. Whereas LSU has not closed the gap in terms of having the most dominant performances, especially after two weeks ago where they had, um, you know, a game that they had in hand the whole time against Old Miss, but a game that they really couldn't put Old Miss away. So I think a lot of it is them just trying to tell you, okay, why are you number ones because you did X? And what they don't really get into is, okay, you did X a little better than, you know, I, you have a little bit better resume LSU versus than Ohio State. Ohio State is a lot more dominant than LSU is. The dominance factor at that point outweighs the resume factor. That's why Ohio State's number one. I think all these things come into play. They're just telling you what the the overriding or most important factor, the biggest advantage, if you will, that a team has and why they get slotted the way they do.
0: Josh, do you agree with me? Uh, I think we're at the point now Ohio State and LSU are both safely in, even
1: with a single loss. Um, well, yes. Um, I, I think either one of them can afford a loss. LSU could lose to AM or Georgia. I think Ohio State could lose to Michigan or in the Big uh, Ten championship game. Given the fact that they're, you know, if you lose to LSU, uh, A&M and your LSU, you're still going to. If you say one loss, you're still going to play Georgia. You're still going to be able to beat Georgia. That's still enough to get you in the top four. Same thing, issue with Ohio State. If they drop either one of those games, the other one's going to make up for it. Um, yeah, they're both in regardless at this point.
0: We're back talking more college football playoff discussion with Josh of College Football Nerds. Now, what would you do looking setting aside LSU and Ohio State? Let's assume they win out, Clemson wins out. The top three would be easily set. So if Utah wins... Uh, and I, Oklahoma wins, and then you have one last Alabama sitting there. Uh, w- number one, what would you do? And then
1: number two, what do you think the committee does? So personally, uh, I I and Daniel disagree with this point a little bit. Right now he has Utah number four, uh, Georgia number five. I have uh, Georgia number four, Utah number five. We both have Alabama way back at seven. Um, it, it depends a lot on the Auburn game, okay? So... We're split, too. We just did an Iron ball preview, and Daniel has Auburn, Alabama actually losing to Auburn. I have Alabama winning fairly close against Auburn. In that viewpoint, we don't put Alabama in because right now we're not sold that Alabama even beats Auburn. So for us to say they get in you know, is tough. Now, if we take a step further and we say, OK, let's assume that these teams at the top all went out, and let's assume Alabama wins by a significant margin uh, against Auburn, one – if Georgia loses, I think, with two losses, they're down and, and out. I mean, they've got a pretty good resume. We can get in a little bit on how much confidence you have into Florida and especially, again, wins against Auburn. Uh, but the South Carolina loss is pretty bad. The LSU loss is going to hurt them. They're not a conference champ. They're two losses. They're out. Uh, at that point, you're looking at Alabama, Utah, and Oklahoma. Personally, if Alabama wins the Auburn game, let's say by two scores or more, I think Alabama gets slotted in at number four over Utah and Oklahoma. Utah's resume is too poor. The Oregon game is going to be you know, at the end of the season. I mean, you look right now in that list of teams in the top 25. USC is the only ranked team that Utah's played, and they lost that game. Um, So that Oregon win would be their first ranked win of the season. I I don't think that's significant enough. Um, Yes, Alabama lost close to LSU, but again, we're assuming they beat an Auburn team that will be – about dead even with the best win that Utah had. Only Alabama's loss is way better than Utah's loss. I don't honestly care that much that Utah's a conference champion. I'm sorry I don't, given where the Pac-12 is and the fact that there's no one else contending in the Pac-12, really, for a top – you know, Oregon barely in a top 15 slot at this point. Um, Oklahoma, you know, we talked about this in another show. The Big 12 has no win over a top 50 team out of conference. Not Oklahoma – the entire Big 12. That's insane. So it, it is insane. So, when you talk about Oklahoma, and I think the committee realizes this, the problem is you have to assume the Big 12 is good to even justify having them where they're at at number seven over, say, Minnesota. Um, you have to assume the fact that they, you know, beating these teams in the Big 12 means anything because no one in the Big 12, literally, no one in the Big 12 has beaten anybody. And there are a couple scary points like Kansas State struggling with Mississippi State out of conference. Um, You know, Iowa State, who's been a ranked team in the Big 12, did lose to Iowa early in the season. Maybe the Big 12's not that great. And Oklahoma, this is my other huge problem with Oklahoma. You know, we're all about dominance. You can't go out there and for five or six weeks in a row win by one score against, um, you know, barely ranked or unranked teams and have a loss to an unranked team and justify going in over in Alabama that at that point would have a very highly ranked win in Auburn. Their only loss was really close to LSU and has been otherwise. And this is the important part that everybody wants to gloss over. Unlike Utah, unlike Oklahoma, Alabama has dominated everyone on their schedule, except LSU. At this point, everyone, but LSU, they beat by more than three, by three scores or more, um, Ohio State and LSU are the only, or Ohio State and Alabama are the only two teams that can say that in college football right now that they've had that level of dominance against their average to bad competition. Um, yeah, Alabama has the, you know, the loss, but it was to the number two team. That's why I end up with Alabama number four, assuming they beat Auburn, which makes a big assumption at that point about how good Alabama is to start with. Because um, if Alabama is not good enough to beat Auburn, you know that that's going to prove itself and show itself. And that Alabama team that isn't good enough to beat Auburn obviously isn't good enough to be in the playoff.
0: I'll give you my final thought on this, Josh, uh, as we seek to wrap up here in the next few minutes. But I have two two uh, pet peeves about this. It's like, if, if you ask me who do I think is the better team, Alabama or Utah or even Oklahoma, obviously I think Alabama is the better team. Now, my annoyance with the college football, or the, I'm sorry, the conference championship flag that is supposed to be added in, that has not been applied Uh, very consistently in the past. So that's one of my annoyances as to if if Utah is at least in the conversation with Alabama, if they don't get in for that reason, I'd be annoyed just because of the inconsistency. The other thing I don't like, even though I'm acknowledging, I think Alabama is better than Utah overall is I don't like the idea that we're saying, well, Oregon lost this past week. So now Utah shouldn't get in if they beat Oregon. Like that should not be a Utah problem like I don't like saying we should eliminate Utah from the playoff just because the opponent that they're about to play in two weeks lost a lost a single game uh, two weeks before they played. That that kind of annoys me because I see a lot of people doing that. Well, Oregon lost, so I'm not sure that, that you know Utah should get in now. That that kind of thing I think gets away from what we're trying to accomplish.
1: I agree. So I'll make two points there. The first one is to always remember that no one has gotten in over a conference champ with the same number of losses. No non-conference champ ever has gotten in over a conference champ that had the same number of losses. Your your teams that got in and not being non-champs for 2016, Ohio State, who, yeah, they lost the head-to-head um, to Penn State, but it was in a terrible weather. It was a weird game. Statistically, it wasn't a game that Penn State dominated in any way. Um, and Ohio State showed that they were a better team in a lot of other ways that season, part of which is not losing a pit. And then 2017, Alabama had one loss. Ohio State which had two losses. One of them was a really bad unranked loss. This is a different situation. You can talk about whether those are justified or not. But now we're talking about a one-loss non-champ and a one-loss champ. The problem with all this, um, and this is the second point, I'm with you with the Oregon-Utah thing. I think it's kind of silly. But conferences, you know, everybody's record now is mainly based on beating your, your own teams in conference play, right? You know, conferences are siloed. Every conference is going to go 500 against itself. So if you have a bunch of teams that are 10 or 11 win or if you have a bunch of teams that are, you know, go 12 and 0 or they all go 9 or 8 win, all that really means is your conference either beat itself up because there was parity or there wasn't parity and somebody was a lot better. Clemson, we think, is a really, really good team. Partly a lot of it's due to uh, how they did last year. Some of it's due to their dominance the past few weeks. But we really don't know where Clemson stands because we know the rest of the conference is really bad. They may just be the best in a really nasty heap, and there's nothing else to show for it. The problem I have with Oklahoma in particular, and definitely to a certain extent with Utah, it's the fact that you know the Pac-12, they've got two top 50 wins themselves. And they're over Michigan State and I forget the other team. Um, but they're it's like 43rd and 47th in, in SP Plus out of conference, the entire conference. Again, Big 12 has none. The SEC has six. It was either six or seven. It's kind of floating around that number. I have a lot more confidence that going with one loss in the SEC really means something, and it's really difficult. I have no confidence and no reason to think that in the Big 12, and I have very little reason to think it in the Pac-12. Quite frankly, if those, if Utah and Oklahoma want to have an argument, either one, they should have scheduled somebody of no doubt a conference, or two, I do think it's fair. While it's not fair to impute Oregon on them, I think it's fair to impute the fact that nobody in their conference has played anybody or at least beaten anybody good. Um, with Oklahoma, that means, hey, you know, you didn't you didn't have your marquee win out of conference this year. No one else did either. I can't prove that you're a good team, and I'm sorry. I'm going to cease giving you the benefit of the doubt for that reason. Even though Alabama only played Duke, they did play an LSU that played Texas. They did play an Auburn that played Oregon. They did play, you know, all these teams that are playing significant out-of-conference matchups, and that gives a lot more weight to Alabama's record than Utah or Oklahoma can get because they're so isolated relative to their own conference.
0: It's kind of funny. It's, this whole thing was set in, in into motion by dominoes, the first domino of the year, Oregon, losing that lead to Auburn. It's funny how much has changed and, and all the perceptions and everything that goes with it. That single game has had so much impact on all of this.
1: It it, it really does. And, you know, there's more dominoes that could fall. We saw that last week with uh, Arizona State beating Oregon. I know I think you weren't shocked by that, and I, I wasn't really either. Um, and, I, you know, you kind of have a feeling something else is going to happen. You know, everybody assumes Clemson's going to win out. Um, maybe Virginia Tech, who's actually been a pretty solid team at the end of the year, maybe they face them in the conference championship game and they lose. Um, you know, none of this is set in stone. And if Clemson were to be knocked off in the championship game, they're not getting in. And then this whole discussion becomes completely irrelevant because we got a whole other – uh, bag of marbles to sort through so uh, I have no doubt that chaos uh, may continue through the end of the year
0: well Josh I pre- you appreciate you jumping on we'll be back you and Daniel both hopefully we'll be back on the Friday episode where we preview Ohio State in Michigan the game we'll talk about what the model has to say and and what your predictions are for the game so I appreciate you uh, jumping on with us
1: always a pleasure Kyle
0: check out Josh and Daniel on college football nerds they are also on Twitter at CFB nerds As we wrap up Locked on Buckeyes for today, I want to thank everybody for listening. As usual, the numbers have been awesome lately. I can't appreciate more how much that everybody listening has meant to me, but uh, definitely have a great Thanksgiving weekend. We've got more to talk about. Although I will not have a show for Thanksgiving, we will be back on Friday as we preview the game. As I mentioned earlier, Daniel and Josh will be back of College Football Nerds. We'll say what... We'll let you know what their model has to say about the game this weekend, and we'll talk more about what that game means in the grander scheme. Locked on Buckeyes is on five days a week, your only daily Ohio State podcast. You can find us on all of your podcasting platforms, that being Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply by saying, play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Lock On Buckeye. You can also catch me on my other network, Unscripted Ohio, with all the great content we have over there. So that's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening. We will be back on Friday with another edition of Lock On Buckeye's. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody.